When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest. He's Instagram's sexiest man alive. We are joined by Jamie Stein of the podcast Deep Dive with Jamie Stein. Um, He's also got his own very thriving business. He's an empath and intuitive, and he uses his powers for Bravo sometimes. And as we were gearing up to go into Beverly Hills, I said, you know what? I'm going to need to utilize this mind of his because Rinna... Her usual, as a season is revving up, she starts to go into full PR mode. And she was like going off and doing all of her social media things and posting cryptic things in her stories and a lot of stuff with Kathy Hilton. And, oh, we're back to cease and desists. And, oh, I'm going to talk about it and doing all of her typical stuff. And I said, Jamie, help me out with Rena, please. And boy, oh, boy. We've gotten, uh, she's really given us a lot to work with, would you say? So please welcome to the pod, Jamie Stein. Yay. Hello. <laughs> yay. Hello. No, that was, that was supposed to be that in my heart, that was an enthusiastic yay. I'm not someone who says yay. So I, I don't know why I even tried to look, I'm trying something new. I was trying on <laughs> unbridled enthusiasm and it's not my strong suit. But I am happy it was an off-brand. It was an off-brand. Yay! You gave it a try. It's just you know. Um, let me just kind of do a like. How did we get here with Rena? And then I'll I'll like throw it over to you because so Sutton really gave Rena gold when she went on Watch What Happens Live and said the whole bit about the Elton John charity because Rena loves a very surface level petty storyline that she can beat to death for a whole season. So she was like, yes, I can just ride this out for however long, however long I can milk it. So when she went, when when Sutton was like going to apologize to Rena at Harry's birthday, Rena was like, 
Oh, she was like milking it. She was giving her the long stare and she was like, how could you Sutton? This is a charity. This is a charity that I didn't pay for. Okay. This is a charity that I didn't spend $1 on. And I mooched off IMDB and got another seat at their table. And I didn't even end up sitting there. I sat at your table, but now I'm going to say that you didn't even pay for a table. But then when Diana started to go, this is really classless. You guys, let's not go there. She's like, yeah, how could you even want to bring this up at all? Uh, I mean, this is tacky. And then still wanting to beat it to death. But then when Garcelle was like, I'm leaving guys like this is just getting nasty. Like, let's just drop it. She's like, I mean, no, no, no. I want to drop it. I, 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 I want, I don't even want to make this a thing. You guys. And Erica was like, what? No, you were wanting to like <laughs> take this forever. So there was that. Then, then we get this stunt, nothing short of a stunt with that guy, Patrick Somers and listeners, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back to two episodes, two Beverly Hills episodes ago. And I break it all down. Um, and he, you know, the, the mess that he made coming out and saying he was working for Kathy Hilton signed an NDA. Now he's breaking the NDA. And Lisa, the la- the part that really killed me on the Lisa front was that she then posted to her stories claiming she doesn't know. I'm like, hey, bravo sleuths, help me figure <laughs> out who this guy is. Help me find out who this guy is. I need to, you know, help me figure out who he is. And I think that was when <laughs> I think that was when you messaged me and said very just one <laughs> sentence. I'm ready to talk about Rena. <laughs> it was it was such a. <laughs> Talk about dry. (laughs) My dry DM. I it was such a powerful message because I knew it like said so much. I knew exactly what you're talking about. Um so over to you. Yeah, well, I can definitely speak to where that DM came from because it's interesting. When you started to speak about the sudden Elton John charity of it all. I, I, first of all, I completely forgot about that conflict. That's how forgettable it was to me. And then I was thinking to myself, oh, shit, Emily's going to ask me about this. I literally have nothing to say because truthfully, I got nothing off it, which tends to be what happens with me with Rinna. I feel like she's wow. so disconnected from herself and she's so self-produced and she's so, to your point, or part of your point, she's so reactive in the moment. Like she just kind of, I mean, she's a great improviser. I feel like she's kind of got that in common with Tamara a little bit. They're, they're women who, when you're right in front of them, they'll feed off your energy and they'll kind of go with what you're saying. So as I said, I tend to experience Arena as very deeply disconnected from herself. So I don't tend to get a lot off her unless I, if I really wanted to sit down, let's say, and, you know, consciously try to channel something that said, so the whole Sutton charity thing, it just sort of flew by me like tumbleweed, didn't care, didn't care. This whole thing with Patrick Somers, if that's how, if that's how you pronounce yeah, his name, Patrick, um, this was one of the first times where I started to actually feel something. And it was the moment where I guess it was it was the stage in the stunt where Patrick, I think, had come out saying that he did work for Kathy. Yep. And so then at that point, I think Rinna posted something with the the phrase oopsie daisy towards Kathy, meaning like the secret's been spilled, you're called out. 
And when I saw the Oopsie Daisy, I really felt for the first time, not intellectually perceived, but I felt the flavor of vengeance in her. I just felt this is a woman who is out for blood. The, the, the true joy and pleasure that she gets out of vengeance. And, you know, it brings to mind that moment when she's sitting there with Denise, you know, that now to use the overused term, kind of iconic moment of, oof, you're so angry. It's like, she could be talking about herself. It's, you're so angry. There's such a joy and pleasure in this vengeance. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm feeling this in my body. I mean, I knew this about her before, but I'm feeling it now. So let me kind of drop into this and track it and sort of get more of the flavor of this. And as I did, it really immediately registered to me as a feeling of I've been misunderstood. I've been mislabeled. I've been wrongly accused. Now I am so happy to bring, as I'm saying it now, it's like to bring you down with me. Uh, to bring you down, to bring you down with me. I'm out for blood. So then I started thinking about that. And I was like, well, you know, it's interesting, right? Because I'm always thinking in terms of pattern. I think we recreate the same pattern, energetic patterns in our lives over and over to learn lessons. So, you know, the simplest version of that is you get into the same type of relationship over and over, or you find yourself in the same job situation over and over until you learn the lesson, right? And so I'm always looking at pattern. And so suddenly I just started thinking about, Rinna's trajectory on the show. And I'm thinking about kind of what to me was her defining season way back in Munchausen. So was that season six? I think that was season six, right? Where she got into trouble for... Yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. And it was just interesting because when I thought about that, I was like, okay, so there was a situation where Rinna felt like she was in cahoots with Vanderpump and that she was sort of doing something with someone by her side. And then it became a situation where she ended up bearing the brunt of the punishment and was sort of left hung out to dry. And then you could see she was pissed about that and she had a reaction. And so then she tried to even speak up and say, wait a second, you've left me out here all on my own. I wasn't doing this by myself. This isn't fair. And then on top of that, no one, no one really co-signed her including the viewing audience. So first she got hung out to dry by Lisa Vanderpump, you know, taking the heap of that blame with Yolanda. And then she kind of got hung out to dry even more in terms of the viewing audience. And when I looked at that, I was like, that's the exact flavor of what I feel in her. It's this, it's this energetic impression of, wait, we were in something together. It was supposed to be you and me. And now you've left me on the outside to take the brunt of this. It is not fucking fair. And I think on a deeper level, she's heartbroken about that, but she's pissed. And then she's out for blood to take them down and to prove something. And I think what's also interesting, this is the last thing I'll say about this, is then I started thinking about the next season when she got into trouble with Kim Richards. Mm -hmm. And again, it was the same sort of thing where at that initial, whatever that was at Kyle's house, barbecue or something, Kim was the one who started it. Kim was the one who went back to the scene of the crime in Denmark and claimed she didn't do anything wrong. You know, Lisa's behavior was unprovoked, acting as if she didn't really say anything about Harry. And so Lisa. Thank you. Thank you you for explain. Thank you for narrating that correctly. Thank you. Well, exactly. This is my point, right? So Lisa was responding to that. Now, look, did she take the high road? No. But again, it was that flavor of much like with Lisa Vanderpump. You know what? 
I'm standing up for what's right. I'm giving it back to you. I'm calling you out on something. And it was another situation where the entire group then made it her fault. How dare you say that to Kim? How dare you act like that? Which again, then kind of triggered her. She's close to death shittiness, which again, she paid an even steeper price for. So I just keep looking at all these patterns where it's like Lisa's kind of standing there saying, wait a second. It wasn't just me. Why am I the one getting punished for all this? So this is to say, if I were working with Lisa, I'd be very curious about where this started in her life and early experiences of feeling like, wait, I I think I'm in collusion with someone. I think there's something happening here where we've got each other's back or we're in this together somehow. And then in some way, the rug gets pulled out from under me. I'm left alone to answer for it. And it is not fair. And I think that's where this vindictive rage to take other people down. And this is the last thing I'll say. It's like, like you even feel, we don't even know what's happening with Kathy Hilton yet, but we saw in the previews, it's you're going to answer for this. Other people have to answer for what they do. It's not fair that I'm the only one who answers for it. So that's my big picture kind of energetic view of a lot of what I think is going on in Ernest's life. Okay. I mean, first of all, I really need to go back and thank you because when people talk about the Kim Rena feud, they really omit any of Kim's fault in it. And it, as much as Rena takes it too far and is insensitive Kim did a lot. Kim was a broken and is a broken person that needs a lot of love and nurturing, but she still did provoke quite a bit. And I almost can't rewatch season five. Be, and I love to rewatch Housewives, but season five comes on and like Kim and Brandy were so toxic in that season. And as much as I know Rinna loses her shit. I'm just still like when people narrate this incorrectly, it drives me crazy. So thank you for accurately depicting that. Um, so with this season, um, we get a glimpse. Was it refreshing for you to see Rena? I mean, hold on that. Let me, <laughs> let me rephrase that. <laughs> Do you know what I'm about to say? Uh, yeah, I know what you're going to say. Yeah. Okay. Cause I was going to say, is it refreshing to see her after her mom died? But that's not how I meant that. I meant that like, she can't that's an organic grounded moment that she that has like real true emotions in it. And we don't really get that from Rinna very often because she's she's so formulated for the show at this point. Um, did that feel real and authentic to you? Yeah, I mean, she does seem in shock to me. I mean, it's two days out. So I and I think she even said that. at the t- Well, she said. She felt in shock to me. And then she said uh, something to the effect of, I don't, I haven't even started to really process this yet. And that's sort of what it felt like to me. But it's interesting because that was the second moment in recent history where I actually, I did get an actual kind of what I would call an empathic feeling from her when I was watching her talk about her mother's death. You know, the feeling I got off her was just how, oh, I got, <laughs> <laughs> it makes me a little sad just how alone she feels now. And I, I, you know, my guess based on what was coming through me, if I assume it to be true, is that there was some feeling in Rena like this woman, she was all I had. 
you know, she was the only one I could really trust to be there for me, which I think is interesting information if true, because she is in this marriage that, you know, she seems to really love him. There seems to be a lot of love and trust there, but that's really how it came through me, at least from an inner child perspective Mm. of like, this was the, like, I've got no one now. I'm completely alone. Um, That felt very strong to me when I was watching the episode. Okay. Now to take it to like the cast now. Okay. The alliance that they, that she has with Erica, does this feel like a genuine friendship to you? Well, this is where it gets tricky because at what point does the friendship of convenience become a real friendship? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like after all these years. Yeah. It's like, I think they're in it together. You know, so who's to really define what a friendship is in a way? I mean, uh, yeah. Do I think that Rena has gone to bat so hard for Erica in large part as a way to kind of stake her claim as a friend to show people, hey, I am a good friend. I am loyal. This is what true friend, you know, for all the feedback she gets about you'll sell anyone out. You sold Denise out. You sold Garcelle out. It's like, no, here I am. I'm planting my you know, my feet in this soil, look at me. And, you know, I think they have each other's back. And so in a way it's probably mutually convenient for the show, but in that place, I think they're probably cultivating what feels like genuine care for each other to each other. Right. I mean, I will say this, I think you and I talked about this. Did we talk about this? I don't know, but you know, not to go down the two P's, two T's in a pod road again, but (laughs) there was that episode where, the Fox Force Five minus Dorit were in this unedited hour together, which I found fascinating to listen to. And I have to say, when I when I heard them unedited together, I, was, I, I did feel like, wow, this is a group of friends. They're actually friends. They they felt like they had real friend chemistry and they genuinely liked each other. So that was interesting to me. So here's where I run into a roadblock with that because I because of Jamie Stein, by the way, is out here turning people onto two T's in a pod. They should <laughs> hire him as their personal like guerrilla marketer. Uh, so he he got he convinced me to listen to it, and because I was like, no, I will not, I shall not support Teddy. But then I did, and I was like, okay, fine, you might have been right. Um, so I listened to that episode on your rec, and it, it was it was interesting. But then here's where I hit a roadblock. Then we get this episode with Erica saying that the victims are lying and they're actually scamming us. And and Rena over next to her going, you know, they can sue for anything. And I'm like, Rena. <laughs> and so then it's like, is this a friendship of evil? Like, are you guys just evil because you need to defend each other? And that's where I get hot. And I'm like, OK, so what is the arrangement? Are you guys in this friendship where this is like an unspoken agreement that you shall co-sign her horrible behavior. Do you see, you see, that's where I run into like, I'm confused by this. Well, look, I'm not saying that I in any way think their friendship is a model of what friendship (laughs) should be. I'm not saying I envy their friendship. I'm just saying like, when you ask me if they're really friends, I mean, maybe I need to ask you what you mean by that. I guess I just interpret that as do they genuinely care about each other? Do they consider themselves friends? I think they do. You're right. You know, you're right. Yeah. But do they enable each other? Absolutely. You know, is it? Yeah. It's, but look, this also isn't new in the world of housewives. I think a lot of housewives define friendship as 
we have each other's back in front of the camera, at least at all costs, no matter what the heck you're doing. That's not how I navigate friendship. It's not how I want yeah. my friends to navigate friendship with me, but you know, the stakes are high on camera in front of an uh, international audience. You know, that is so fair. All right, fine. Okay. Um, I mentioned a little bit that I'd want to tap into Crystal. Can I say one thing? Of course. That's what I just want to say at the risk of, uh, I don't know if this is controversial or not, but I just, I am loving Erica's chaotic energy. This I season. am too. Like, I'm okay, so happy good. you said that. I'm no, right there with you. Oh my God. Her tagline is something about like, I've got nothing to lose. Wait, what's her tagline? I've got nothing to lose. And I've got nothing to lose in something that makes me dangerous or something like that. I want to amend it to totally insane, nothing to lose. And she's just like throwing it all out there. And what I love about it is sometimes she's actually somewhere in the voice of reason. And then other times she's totally insane, but truly it's like, you know what it is? Before she used to say she gave zero fucks, but she actually did. And now it almost feels like she genuinely doesn't give zero fucks. And it's kind of fun to watch. You took like my last recap, my friend Pia and I said the exact same thing. I'm like, we don't think she's a good person. We're not like dis- we're d- disclaimer. We're putting we don't we're not like she's great now. We but we have to, from an entertainment standpoint, admit that this is fun to watch because she's she's chiming in like when she said you want her to say you're not a racist we were like mm-hmm. yep that's that's what she wants but because she's like i don't care i'll say it her combination of lexapro and alcohol is really working <laughs> for me well i did say way back when when there's a news broke i did put it out there this question of is erica about to become the new taylor armstrong in the sense of now she's kind of the down and out one who's unhinged and has nothing to lose. And in a certain way, I feel like we're watching her take up that mantle of just, she's just the firecracker in the group who you don't really know what you're going to get from her. And I'm kind of, especially in a group like this, which does have a lot of self-produced flavor to it, to have this kind of unpredictable, uh, yeah, like firecracker in the mix is... I'm always looking to Erica. I'm waiting to see what does Erica have to say in the situation? Because mind you, in the very next breath, she's like, oh, like you assassinated my character Sutton. And you're like, no, no, Erica. (laughs) No, no, not the same thing. Yeah, it's all a part of it. You just have to like, you just have to roll with the unpredictable waters. You don't know what you're going to (laughs) get. And it's good. It's good that Garcelle is willing to be like, no, Erica, that's not the same thing. Because the rest of the castle just gets scared and not say anything. So at least Garcelle is able to actually, in the scene, be like, no, not happening. Because it would be frustrating if it was just silence like the rest of them. Um, in the case of Crystal, so I am, I get a, my view on Crystal is I get popular mean girl energy off of her. That's just how I experience it. But I get a lot of feedback that she's just misunderstood. I'm misunderstanding her. Now, in the case of this, like this whole, this dark damaging, she's alluding to even more things that we didn't see. Like when she went to watch what happens live, she's like, you know, the conversation you guys showed is actually not, so dark and damaging. There was more to the conversation, but Sutton and I talked about it. I forgave her. It's like, so what else is it? Um, what are you getting off of her, if anything? In, well, in general or in this situation? In this I, or in I whatever, mean, both. You can go off. I mean, I feel like it's both. I mean, I agree with you last season. I, I 
yeah, definitely felt what I perceived as that part of her, the, the, the sort of popular mean girl. I think that's yeah. a part of her for sure. And I think there's something really vulnerable that's ha- happened for her last season. I'm not saying she handled it perfectly because she didn't. And I think there's something really vulnerable happening for her this season. And it's hard. I mean, it's interesting because I'm seeing people, at least in terms of my echo chamber, it seems like people are very heated towards Crystal. I'm having a different experience where I actually feel really bad for her. I feel like she's struggling to articulate something Mm. that is vulnerable for her. She's not doing it well. And she's in this group that for whatever reason, I I agree with her. They get more concerned about like word choice than they do with the fact that there's someone here who's struggling with something and their response to it when it doesn't come in in the right way or in the way that they can hold it is to try to shut it down and tell her why she's wrong. And so I feel like I feel bad for her because I feel like what she's trying to do initially this season is say, there was something that was unheard and unseen, or at least I feel that way. And I feel like I got told that my feelings were wrong and I'm trying to bring this out, but that's vulnerable for me. And she's now in a situation where it's happening again. Mm. And I think that's part of why she's now doing this cloak and dagger dance, because I think she's, I think she knows on some level, she kind of fumbled the ball. Oh, you know, in the place where there wasn't a lot of rumor grace for her. And I want to talk about Garcelle's role in this in a minute, but, you know, I think she fumbled the ball, but I think there's something in her now that's so fiercely protective because she knows that there's something vulnerable here and she knows on some level she has a right to it. And she knows that this group is shutting her down. And so I think we're watching her dig her heels in almost in a way that's healthy for her in the sense that she's trying to protect her inner child but isn't totally healthy because yeah, now she's gotten herself back into this corner and she is, you know, in her, you know, her opaqueness with what happened, you know, again, it's, it's clumsy and she's doing something and now she's doubling down on it. So she's not really doing herself any favors, but I feel for her because there's something that's trying to come through and it just feels like there's no room for it. And I feel like now if she were to say, you know what guys, it was just this one conversation. Oh Yeah everything's going to get thrown out, including what she was trying to say about last year. So I kind of feel something crystal that's saying, I'm not letting this happen again. I'm not abandoning myself. I'm not doing it. I don't care what the F I have to say. Like this is where her strong no is coming in. Um, Mm, Wait, hold on. Hold on. You're saying that if she, if she does agree that if she does admit that it was just this conversation, then not only is she, giving up this moment, but she's also giving up the violate from last year. Yeah. And like her experience of what happened with that, like they're going to throw all of it out and she's holding on to it. And I think, you know, part of what I want to say is like, if I'm not saying too much right now, um, you know, I think where Crystal went wrong last year. And I just, I think the one tweak she needed to make that could have like sidestepped so much was just, would just be to separate out Sutton's intention from the impact that it had. And, you know, I think this is where your point about her high school mean girl comes into play. I think she was triggered by Sutton. And I think she had judgment about Sutton. And I think part of what, I mean, I talked about this in my podcast. I think part of what made her feel violated was getting caught, quote unquote, by someone like Sutton, who she has a kind of certain charge around. 
And so I think because of that, she's getting wires crossed between intention and impact. And I think if she could have just said, Sutton didn't do anything wrong. I know your intentions were good or okay, but this took me somewhere and I need support from this. Then she could have gotten support. And where it went wrong was she kind of maybe wanted people to collude with her that Sutton was creepy rather than this made me feel creepy. Exactly. That is exactly because what they are, what I'm interpreting the other women is trying to do is just say please on camera so that we can get so Sutton doesn't have to deal with the whole season of people because the audience is for the most part going to take whatever we put on camera and be like, wow, Sutton violated Crystal and run with it and leave comments and be crazy. Just please say on camera like she didn't mean to violate me, but I experienced it as a violation. Just say that one time. Exactly. But I also but I don't absolve the other women because where they go with it, they get so charged. And so for me, watching this dinner where Crystal's kind of fighting for her right to have her feelings, I'm on your side. It's like you can't tell her how to feel. And they're coming in so hot, Kyle, especially with her performative like empathy. And it's just it's 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 like it's just I agree with Crystal, the point of like, you guys are getting so hung up on this word I use. And again, I'm not saying I don't understand their concern, but it's almost like that's more important to them than taking in someone who's saying, hey, I'm struggling here. I'm doing this imperfectly. I need help and support around this. It's like they don't care about that. They won't and that gets any lost. space. Exactly. So she, my friend said it interesting. She said, I think that because Crystal is so worried that they're not going to receive her feelings, she gets defensive and closes down and gets, you know, stubborn about it. And I that makes sense to me because I can kind of relate to that. I don't shut down when I feel like my feelings aren't going to be received. Well, I get angry. So I start to communicate and get mad. And so no one no one wants to receive information when they're being yelled at. And so then it takes me like getting mad and being upset and then later calming down and saying, so what I was trying to say, and they're like, why didn't you just say that? I'm like, because I didn't think you'd hear me. And so it's like, Crystal isn't able to communicate because they're now like yelling at her. So she's like, okay, so my fears are coming true. You guys aren't hearing me. Exactly. And I feel like this whole thing recreate it. So that's why I'm saying it's this weird double vibe because here she is trying to speak up to that again, trying to create space for her feelings that she didn't get in the first place. And now it's happening all over again. I mean, Dorit was literally yelling at her in La Quinta, you know, and so, and so Crystal's saying, okay, this isn't a safe space for me. And so then I want to bring in that. I mean, and this is complicated and I want to acknowledge, obviously like I'm a white person talking about this and this is two women of color. I just want to say though, it's like Garcelle, here is Crystal who they've invited over. The women have a moment the next morning where they're like, okay, we do see she's upset. Let's give her some space, which they've never done this before. They go in. And I want to say, same thing happened to Garcelle last season. And I was on Garcelle's side with that too. When they were going, like, there's a way that this group doesn't like to tolerate feelings that make them uncomfortable. And actually I was, when Crystal said that in La Quinta, where she, I forget what exactly what she said, but she Mm -hmm. named it. She was like, you guys only want to validate feelings that you basically understand. And Lisa Rinna's face, when she said that, it was like her operating system broke. Like she didn't know, (laughs) like wires started popping out of her head. She did not know how to handle that. I thought Crystal was naming something really important. So I want to say, yes, I think that's true. And so then Garcelle comes in with, well, actually, That thing that happened last year 
wasn't um, it, like basically to my perspective, minimizing it and saying you set Sutton up to be quote unquote that girl, which, you know, again, is there truth in the sense that Crystal, like whatever, had her judgments and issues with Sutton? Yes. Did Crystal do anything to like bear responsibility for that particular conversation? Absolutely not. We all saw it with our own two eyes. It was hugely embarrassing. You know, Sutton has apologized for it. Like, there's no, there's no question about what happened. So for Garcelle to bring that in, especially in a moment where this was supposed to be about Crystal saying something and having space for her feelings, I, I guess I would just say this. If I were there, I would really want to ask Garcelle, like, what is your intention in bringing this up right now? Because, and I feel like this keeps getting lost. I mean, people will say, well, yeah, like Garcelle kind of started it, but I'm like, no, 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 no. let's it. slow this down. And I think that's why I'm having trouble jumping on the bandwagon of people being angry at Crystal. Cause I'm just like, something really happened there that is not getting fully addressed. And now we have a dinner where Sutton's proclaiming, I did nothing wrong that night. Now, maybe she didn't say anything that qualifies as Crystal's definition of dark, but no, you, you did do something wrong that night. And now you're suddenly playing the vic. Like there's something about this whole thing that's making me personally uncomfortable. <laughs> and it's why I'm not, I'm not, I'm kind of on Crystal's side with a lot of this. I can see that because no, no, Garcelle called Crystal and convinced Crystal to come over. <gasps> oh, she was the one who called her. Yeah. Oh, she's okay. like, she's like, come over. Let's just work it out. Convinces her to come over. Right away, Crystal is very vulnerable. She cries. She talks about it. She lets them know what's going on. She says she's working on believing that this is a safe space for her feelings. (laughs) Kyle says, well, just do me a favor. Don't wait a year to tell us how you feel. And I blame I blame the because Garcelle was admittedly tipsy. She's like, I'm tipsy. And I blame the alcohol because when Kyle said don't wait a year. Garcelle went, well, now that we're mentioning it, this feels like a great time to tell Crystal. I'm like, what the, (laughs) it's the worst time. She's like in the lion's den. You've, you've convinced her to come over. So I completely understood Crystal reacting that way and feeling the need to say something big in the moment. Yeah, because it felt it was a jarring, scary situation. Um, I I was disappointed in Garcelle because then she never seemed to own up to the fact that she's like, I kind of put her in a tricky situation because I did like she just came, told us about her feelings. And then I was like, hey, you said something up like she's not owning that. That was probably a very jarring thing. Instead, she's jumping right on like, well, watch your back with your friend Sutton. I'm like, "Ah." Yeah, I mean, she's going in hard. She's going in hard. And um, I mean, I think it's interesting because, again, as as you know, I look at everything from pattern. So with Crystal, I just look at, wow, look at this bind she keeps finding herself in around trying to be heard and validated in her feelings. And I just, again, if I were working with her, I have to imagine this is a very familiar feeling for her and that this kind of stems from her history. And she's caught in some sort of push-pull where it's like, yeah, she doesn't know how to slow down perhaps long enough to separate out, you know, what we're talking about, like meaning how to separate out what's coming in 
and then where it's taking her emotionally. So then, like I said, she maybe fumbles the ball and then that gets used against her. I just have to imagine this is, this is history, family of origin history, or like, you know, peer history. Uh, this is not new for Crystal. I think she's in sort of the larger than life version of her kind of life narrative. And it, it's tough because it, like I said, it feels like such a simple tweak, actually. Mm-hmm. She's right there. Like she's so good at naming things. She's really smart. There's yeah. an emotional intelligence to her, but there's just a place where the wires are getting crossed. And again, I, it's the place I look, I don't love, it's not like I'm like Crystal's biggest fan, but in this struggle, I feel for her and it, yeah, it, it touches my heart. Cause I feel, I just feel how vulnerable this is for her. And I feel the double standards, the group, because it's like, Kyle can sit there and say, Oh, you gotta be careful about the words you use. What you're doing is dangerous. I'm kind of like, well, dangerous is a word and is not what Garcelle did in La Quinta dangerous. It's like, why, Mm. why are you guys allowed to say this to Crystal, but she's not allowed to say it to you. There's just something that there's a, there's an intensity that comes in in this group. And then even you saying that Kyle was saying, well, in the future, don't wait a year. And I'm sure you heard me. I was like, fuck off, Kyle. It's like, Kyle, don't tell her how to be in a product. What if she wants to wait a year? Like, (laughs) why do people have to be on Kyle Richard's schedule? I get it, Kyle you are uncomfortable with things not being resolved. I get that you're uncomfortable with there being space to hang out in. That doesn't mean everyone has to be on your timeline of like, <laughs> we fix it and get it done, which by the way, feels a little codependent to me. Um, well, so that yeah, tracks. exactly. So it's just, I don't know. I mean, I'm getting charged up now. It's, it's hard for me to watch what's happening with Crystal. Like I said, much like it was hard for me last season to watch them do it to Garcelle, you know, when they were in wherever they were, uh, Orange, Santa, where did they go? They went to a hotel somewhere was down it? in Orange County. Yeah. Oh, or yeah. San Diego yeah. or something. something La Jolla. Like that. Yeah. yeah. La Jolla. I think. Whatever. Yeah. San Diego, something like that. Beachy. Um, with Erica, what's happening? <laughs> what are you picking up on with her? Um, again, loving it, loving it. Um, I, I, uh, okay. So let me just say what I'm feeling from her. And I, I, and I like the idea that she just is, she, because when you're going to lie, you have to really believe the lie. You got to really convince yourself it's real. So I just feel like she's been living this persona this fake world for so long that she's like no this is my life this is real and she's just got to write it out and it's almost like she's in such a fake reality but it's a reality for her and so she really does feel like a victim like she is a victim like she's like i i mean the number one victim in this whole thing is erica Mm -hmm. oh for sure i think she think i think she feels deeply misunderstood um, and I think she feels victimized as a result. Um, I mean, look, there's so much to say. Um, I think that she, I think that her investment in wealth, fame, I think to her that was um a power play. It was, it was a sense, you know, there was a fuck you to the world. And like, see, this is what I can do. And I think to have that upended, I think for her, it's humiliating. I think it's deeply humiliating. And so, you know, a lot of people have always asked, like, why is she not more compassionate? Why is she not more humble? I mean, I think there is always that thing of, I'm sure she can't really talk about it, you know, because if she's in legal stuff, but I've always just felt for her. And I feel the same way about Jen Shaw. It's like, if I 
if I kind of show that this is, it's almost like equating, if I let myself feel what's happened here, and if I let myself feel what's happened to these victims, and if I sort of drop into that level of like compassion and that level of like humanity, I think it then takes her to the powerlessness that she's been avoiding. Like, I think for her, it feels like admitting defeat. People are then going to see her down. It's like they win somehow. And she's just trying to keep her chin up. It's just this voice. It's like, I'm not going to let you see me down. Like all the people out there who I perceive want to see me fail. You're not getting it. I'm going to keep posting on Instagram. I'm not acknowledging this, you know, and then she gets turned into this pariah by everyone because they're everyone like you're a cold hearted bitch. And I think for her, yeah, that makes her feel like she's the misunderstood one because, you know, she's just trying. She's I think Eric always just feels like she's trying to survive. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that was a large part of the marriage to Tom. It's like she's just out here trying to do what she's got to do. And, um, you know, then she gets kind of crucified for it in her mind. You know, so I think a lot of it's just, I think, I mean, on a fundamental level, like it just feels like a power play. And it's like, I'm not, I'm not going to let you see me weak. I'm not going to let you see me down. I'm not giving in. I'm not giving them what they want. You tell me I'm supposed to go do this. I'm not doing it. She looks like when she was talking to Dorit and they had lunch and then Dorit's like, oh, Diana's going to let us use her private jet. Erica was like, oh, because I used to have one. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) oh, God. She's and like she's constantly having to talk about like, you know, I used to just buy a new outfit for everything. So now I have to wear things more than once. Like, oh, God, she it, I feel like Erica would be like homeless and still acting like she's got a whole wardrobe like she she really like her personality was based on her wealth. And it's very clear now. I know it's like when you say that, it really just reminds me it, it, it feels like she's just so stripped down like she's like a fetus you know what i mean it's yeah. it's, it's like who is she now she's naked yeah what is there for her now you know how does she how does she define herself what does she identify with who is she i mean it's very deep because i i yeah. i mean absolutely like I mean, that's how she was defining her identity i think everything was invested in that so you take away those false idols and it's like what's left especially and i this is what i'm trying to articulate when you think about that, she was invested in those false idols originally because she didn't have a fundamental trust in her own mm-hmm. heart, her own vulnerability, her own humility, like her own humanity, essentially. You know, that has let her down in the past. That gets equated with, yes, being susceptible to whatever, like mm-hmm. incoming attack, being hurt, being used. So she doesn't have trust in that. So I don't have the stuff anymore. I don't have trust in my own humanity. What am I left with? I mean, the God, she has the show to hide in. She really doesn't. She didn't really have a lot of friends. Like when we saw her parties, it was like her dancers were the ones that were making up the bulk of the guests. So she kind of like surrounded herself with people she paid for too. Like it wasn't a lot of like personal close friends. Like Yolanda was her friend, but we really have only other, we've only ever met, Mikey, her assistant and dancers. And so mm-hmm. now she can't really like pay for her friends anymore. So her world is destroyed at this point. So she but she's but to but to appear weak, not going to happen. So I'm I'm appreciating her holding on for dear life to her sanity at this point. 
Yeah, we'll I'm see like, where this goes. We'll see where this goes. I'm just so curious to see what's going to happen with the lawsuits and everything. I'm just so curious to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so curious to see how her story plays out and what ends up happening with her in life. Because come the reunion, because this latest motion, you know about the latest motion by Ed, the Edelson, the who's the the lawyer that's been representing the Lion Air victims who didn't get their money. Uh, he filed this motion that's basically it's like, no, no, no. This this law firm was like a criminal enterprise and they used Erica as like their front man, kind of like their PR person, because. It's sort of like if you have if the wife of the head of the law firm is all decked out and looking fly, you're going to keep getting more clients. And so they're alleging that Erica was absolutely like the front woman for this criminal enterprise. Like she's it happened after they wrapped filming, like right Mm -hmm. after they wrapped filming. So it won't be till the reunion that it can even be brought up. But so by the time the reunion comes, I'm just so curious to see what what state she is in. Well, the thing is, I mean, I, I, I you know, I, I feel like I'm saying it in a glib way, um, but I actually mean it. I mean, I, should, I, I don't think she's mentally well. I mean, I've been saying this no. last season. And so, you know, when we have those moments where she's literally trying to front, you know, there was that that headline, right? Where they basically dropped a suit against her to refile it in California, but they dropped it in Chicago. And she's literally trying to use that on camera as evidence that she's been exonerated. And it's when I look at that, I'm like, you're, you're having a mental break. Like you're not in reality at this point. So uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm concerned for her. Jamie, I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm actually thank you know, because not only did she use it, very recently, Rinna tried to use it. <laughs> she posted it in her stories and said, funny how they didn't pick this one up. And I very quickly reposted to my feed and said, no, 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 no. OK, this I cannot believe she's reposting this. They tried. Kyle tried posting it, too, in her stories back when it happened. It's not like I feel like they paid us weekly to literally write that headline. <laughs> It's not a thing. It's not a thing. I remember when it got posted that day, it was like the most confusing thing for the content creator community because we were like, wait, so she's exonerated? Like what? It was just being refiled and they literally had to drop it in Chicago so that they could file it in California. Notice they didn't talk about how it was refiled in California. They didn't post any of that. Thank you for bringing that up. I just need everyone to know that if you see that headline, it is not a headline. It's just so weird because I just, for me, because you mentioned even Kyle posted it and it's, you know, if I'm on a TV show and I have cast members, I I don't know, I'm just personally, I'm not, I'm, I'm not reposting things for the sake of good PR. There's just this whole game that they all play. I, I mean, I guess I get it right. They're in the public eye. The media is a part of it, but it's just, it's so the level of artifice is just so stark. It's also meaningless. And yet they have this investment in it. So I don't know. Okay. Can I, yeah. What were you going to say? Oh no. What were you going to say? Well, can we talk about Sutton? Oh, I was going to bring up Sutton. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. I just find her incredibly unlikable and I'm mystified by this um, trend of standing Sutton, I guess because she's what the only person in the group who talks back to Erica Jane, like that's it. 
but I, I, I just watched this woman. I mean, there's so much I could say about her self-involvement, about everything becomes about her. She's constantly bringing everything down. She's actually quite mean and cruel at times. And um, people seem to love her. And I just, I, I guess it came up in my mind because I was thinking about the women who kind of co-sign Erica's weird PR stunts. And then I was thinking about, well, who doesn't? And I was like, well, Sutton doesn't. And then that made me think of Sutton. And then I'm like, but I, I dislike Sutton so much. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I've said it many times. Like I, 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 I don't really like defending Sutton in situations, but when it's like a situation where I could be like, okay, look, I see her point here. Um, but I just even posted a clip from the podcast where Sutton then says something and I'm like, Sutton, shut up. Like she, so when Crystal went on Watch What Happens Live, they played one of the games they played. And I think it was like, who's the biggest social climber or something like that? Or who wants the most, who's the most power hungry? Some version of that. And Crystal said, Sutton. Now, I think Rena has also said this, but the problem is Rena's like the worst, most re- uh, not she's an unreliable source. So mm-hmm. you don't you don't really validate anything that Rena has to say. But Sutton, like I get that it was an iconic moment when she said, like you know, sorry I didn't have a gun to my head. I get that that became like an instant quote that was funny, but. Did you read that whole that whole bit that she was saying she was traumatized from her childhood and that's why that but did you find that to be authentic cuz I still struggle with whether or not that was authentic. Okay, I'm glad you're asking this. So, I actually so for anyone who listens to my podcast, knows I kind of have like a cohort who's with me a lot of episodes Piper who's very intuitive herself. I specifically went to Piper. I was like, "We need a phone call." Cuz I was like <laughs> What are you getting off this? Because I agree when that first happened. Yeah, I was sort of in your camp where I was like, I'm not feeling trauma in this at all. Like I felt competition. I felt jealousy. I felt resentment, Um, you know, and just by contrast, like last season before Crystal was talking about anything to do with an eating disorder, when that thing happened right off the bat, I was like, oh, I could feel it. I was like, Crystal's in something, you know, so it's like. I just want, I, I'm just sort of saying that, like, I will pick up on that stuff, but I didn't immediately pick up on it with Sutton. So I talked to Piper about it and Piper said that she, so basically <clears throat> where I, where we, I, she landed is that I think on the conscious level, it, for me, my belief is that it was coming from a more petty place of like resenting Dorit, resenting the attention, resenting, you know, kind of feeling like, oh, now Dorit's going to be the focal point of the drama. Now, having said that, okay, is it possible that that level of self-centeredness is rooted in her trauma? Yes. And so once Piper helped me to frame it that way, I was like, okay, I can buy this now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there were a few stops along the way. And I'll say, I guess maybe even in Sutton's defense, I'm not sure the degree to which she's even, that's what Piper was saying. I'm not sure the degree to which she's truly connected to the impact of her own trauma. Yep. So I think there's even a way when she talks about it, and she might even be using it in a manipulative way, but that still doesn't mean it's not coming from 
the trauma, if that, it's sort of like a, it's like inception, you know, it's like a, a snake eating its own tail. That's kind of how I read it. I, I initially read it like she was using that, using the trauma in a very convenient way. But I got, I got read for filth for even suggesting that. I, I, I don't, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's not necessarily a lack of truth in that, but right. I think you could still in a way attribute that yeah. to the trauma. Yeah. Because like you said, it's like, if she's not consciously aware of it, it's like, okay, fine. In a kind of long road to get their way. Sure. <laughs> but in the, there was a deleted scene. You know how they do the never before scene. They released that episode uh, where they show like a couple deleted scenes from the prior week. And in, mm -hmm. in that the same scene with Kyle and Sutton, where Kyle's like, okay, can we talk about how weird you were when we, when, you know, the whole Dorit thing happened and you were like, Oh my God, my designer can't get in and blah, blah, blah. There was a, a, a bit from that scene. And Sutton says to Kyle, um, well, how do you think I felt? All three of you were going over to Dorit's and didn't even call me and tell me and invite me. You're talking about like right after, like when the news broke, they all went over there and she's like, and Kyle's like, what are you talking about? We just went, we didn't call each other. We all just like went over there instinctively. Like we went over there. It wasn't like a dinner. It wasn't like a birthday party. It was like, <laughs> and Sutton was like, well, and so I could buy the like, kind of jealousy like feeling left out like well i would have gone because it became a photo op too like paparazzi got their pictures and it so it was an odd thing to add to why she was upset and felt weird after it happened i mean i kind of wait hold on <coughs> excuse me um i kind of felt too like there was maybe something in there about dorit like her relationship to Dorit, which I don't, I mean, I'm, I don't know. Like I haven't really clocked the two of them historically, but mm. it, I just kind of felt this flavor of, Oh, Oh, now Dorit, <laughs> like Dorit gets the, attention. now I have to like humor Dorit. I have to be serious about like, she doesn't take Dorit seriously in some way. Yeah. And now it's like, have you ever been in a situation like that where there's someone you don't like and oh, maybe, yeah. maybe they're even someone who like feeds off drama, but then something happens where it's like, you have to, you feel like you have to indulge it. That's kind of like what it felt like to me. Like, Oh God, like now I got to fucking play the game <laughs> with Dorit. Um, and almost maybe a little bit of like, and I've got my own stuff going on. I've got my plan for what we're doing this season. Yes. I, I, that's just what it felt like. It's what it felt like to, to me. me, too. She's like, the plan this scene was supposed to be me coming over to talk about the party I'm throwing at my at my store, not to talk about Dorit's robbery. But the thing is, Sun has a history of being very self-involved, yeah. right? I mean, so like, I mean, just even going back to, you know, whatever, like Rena's daughter's event and she starts crying because someone's there or, um, you know, the Lake Tahoe trip where Kathy's playing a practical joke and she's crying and making it about her. Yeah. And then, I mean, to be, I mean, look, the, the white fragility conversation where she can't listen to Crystal because it's about her. And let's be clear. I mean, even with the Erica Jane stuff that people love her for, her initial response was my reputation. How is this going to affect me? I'm not faulting her for that in that situation, but there's a pattern with her. She really makes things about herself. 
I will say there is, as I say it, there is something that does feel kind of emotionally stunted about her. So that's oh, kind yeah. of why I do buy that. Like I, I, you could say this does have its roots in trauma. Like there's something that oh, just yeah. feels very emotionally stunted in her, but it's like, when I look at this stuff about how self-involved she is about how often she makes things about herself. And then the other thing I'll say that no one's talking about was that moment in the kitchen with Kyle where she started really cruelly talking about Erica as the gold digger. I just, I just was like, I get you don't like her. I that get was- you're mad. This is mean. Like you are no, lo- you can't be, you don't get to claim the high road anymore. Like you're down in the dirt with Erica. So any kind of moral righteousness you may have had gone. And I think it says something about her when she's, when she's mad She's she's cruel and she's mean. And I think I look at all this and then I think, has there been a single moment on the show where she's just been kind or like genuinely nice in a way that somehow, oh, crying about the birthday gift at Garcelle's birthday party. It's just she's constantly it's constantly all about Sutton. Remind me of the birthday gift. I forgot. The leather pants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Your ugly leather pants. Garcelle was getting birthday gifts. Sutton starts and no crying because she her. was left out, you know? Yep. It's it's always about Sutton all the time. And like I said, I just, I can't think of a single moment where she just seemed genuinely concerned for someone else, genuinely kind for the sake of being kind. Um, These yeah, are all I just, great points. These I don't know why people like her so much. I, I'm right. I kind of feel like, like, I get that, you know, what's the phrase? Like a friend of my enemies is a friend of mine or whatever the right. phrase is. So I get I get why last season we liked Sutton because we were so <clears throat> mad at Erica and like it didn't seem like anyone else was standing up to her. So I get why the fandom went that way. I think Sutton was enjoying the feedback from fans because it was like, get her, you know, get her Sutton about Erica. So I feel like that's why she's thinking she should like, cause I thought that whole thing about the gold digger comment was like unnecessary. Totally Cause necessary. what are we doing? It's like, now you seem like you're playing in the dirt. Yeah. And then that recent comment that everyone, again, everyone loves this. And I look, I get it from a perspective of <clears throat> if you're just looking at them as TV characters, but you know, I'm looking at this, no, you're human beings, you have real relationships, but that post she made about, Erica being neighbors with Army Hammer, the guy who eats people. I'm just like, Sutton, this is just, yeah. you're just, you're fanning the flames. You're getting low. This is dumb. You're making yourself look bad. And, you know, I think to your point, honestly, I think if Erica hadn't had going on what she's got going on these last few seasons, I wonder how much people would be liking Sutton. Well, yeah. And then, and the problem, too, is if anyone retaliates, if anyone responds, it seems like no one acknowledges what she did first. So it's like, mm-hmm. I can't believe Rena would say that because if like if someone responds to Sutton, like if Rena does or if Erica does, it's like people are up in arms that they would say anything. I'm like, but she literally started it. So Sutton can't take it. She can dish it, but she can't take it. I don't mind a back and forth if you can handle it, but Sutton always acts like she's so hurt and wronged. I'm like, well, girl, you're playing. You're the one starting the fire. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I'll be curious to see what happens with her. I mean, I don't know how long Erica's legal troubles are going to go on for. I'd be very curious to see what happens with her once she no longer has that as her tentpole mm-hmm. dramatically. Okay. Last point of our sesh. Dorit. 
I have to say, I shouted you out. You know, I did. Um, it was when my listeners know this. It was when Dorit was they were down at Kyle's La Quinta place and Dorit just had as her look, the little headband. And I was like, OK, wait, this might be real because Dorit would always be in a full glam look. And here she is putting on a headband and Kyle's clothes. I feel like maybe this wasn't maybe she totally did experience this as a real thing, but she's just so disconnected from reality that she's her version of experiencing it is just bizarre. And I'm not connecting to it Mm -hmm. because that's Dorit. Dorit isn't someone I would normally connect with. Her process is strange. So I went back and I saw I I reread your post and it was like, Okay, yeah. Dorit is just handling this like Dorit would handle this, like over dramatic and um it just I, I wasn't connecting to her at all. But then that also made sense. Um okay, so can you just talk to me about what you're getting off of it? <laughs> I I kind of I, I don't want to get myself in any more trouble than I already am. I think she's still in shock, to be honest. That's sort of what I get. I think that she's trying to race through recovery. Um, You know, even just, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it's great she's getting therapy, but I I just, the, the vibe I get off it from the limited info I get off this edited TV show is kind of like, I think she's trying to fast forward to getting back to normal and um, which feels very Dorit to me. I mean, it feels Mm -hmm. very type a rigid, like I want to do this right. I just want to get to the other side because to my original point that you're um, referencing. Yeah. I think that um, dropping in to something that's raw and real is very difficult for her. I think obviously the situation would be difficult for anyone, but I think for her, who, cause I've been experiencing her as becoming more and more shut down over time, even before this happened. The Dorit, it's interesting. If you go back, the Dorit who first came on the scene, I think energetically, it's very different than mm-hmm. the Dorit we have oh, today. Oh, 100%. She felt so much more alive and in her body. She felt like she had so much more fire and spunk on that first season. And it's like now she sort of totters around in these designer outfits, just feels like completely cut off from her body. Um, so I just, yeah, I think that she's someone who tends to split anyway. And so to, to be in a situ, I mean, it's weird, you know, I'm always looking for the deeper invitation of things like as, as a spiritual, someone who walks a spiritual path. So I almost might say if like, if, if, if Dorit were someone who believed in that and wanted to know, like, why would something like this happen or what, what could, what should I be getting out of this? You know, I'd almost say there's almost an invitation there for her to like, maybe connect more deeply to feelings and to connect more deeply to unprocessed trauma that predates this situation. Um, But having said that, yeah, I feel like what I'm watching is someone who's like kind of trying to manage the experience. And I wonder if there's a point coming where she's going to hit a wall. I mean, maybe not on camera, but whether it's on camera or off where she's going to hit a wall and kind of like need to take a time out, you know, because it just seems like she's been on the go since this whole thing started. I think they even talk. I think they do. They did a couple interviews where they said about midway through the season, she starts to it starts to hit her and then she 
crumbles. That yeah, so that yeah, that's exactly that's what it feels like to me. It feels like she's trying. It's like everything's fine. I'm doing all the things, <laughs> checking all the boxes, getting all the therapy. Don't worry about me. I'm going to Mexico. Like it just feels, yeah, like she's she's trying to manage the situation. And look how good she is at making it look good. You know, and I don't mean that in a judgmental way in terms of how she's handling this trauma. I mean that in terms of its information about Dory. You know what I mean? Just in general, she knows how to. Yeah, she's a smart woman. You know, she knows how to tick all the boxes and make things look good. She really has, like, you're right. From the Dorit that came on the show, even just physical transformation. Oh, yeah. Like, she, like, if you did, like, when I look back at her first season, she's physically changed into, I mean, I'm not saying this in an an insulting way, just as a fact. She kind of did, like, the Kardashian facial makeover. Like, it's, they literally, like, Plastic surgeons talk about it. It is like a fact. People like bring in pictures of the Kardashians and it's kind of like the lips, the nose, the filler and the cheek. It's kind of like it's a formulaic thing. Um, And it's all about just designer looks. I kind of blame Erica for doing the for bringing the glam and just like all about looks to the show. She's the Mm -hmm. one who did that. She's the one who came on and it made everyone feel like they had to do it because Rinna never used to do it. Dory didn't used to do it. Erica was the one who brought that. And they're so competitive that they're like, well, I have to do that too. So Mm -hmm. I blame her for that among other things. Yeah. The show it's, it's this Beverly Hills is definitely one of the most interesting franchises to me, just energetically when you kind of, look at the entirety of its narrative run and just where it started, where it felt so much more raw and real. And then it kind of pivoted with the inclusion of Rana and Erica and Dorit. You kind of started getting this force of um, very uh, just controlled, performative, what it looks like on the outside. Denise Richards was kind of a part of that too, I felt. And now we're kind of, and I felt we were in a drought for several seasons. And now we're kind of in this new place with, I don't even know how to characterize this current cast. It's, it's such a pastiche. It's, you know, I mean, it's, it's got diversity now, even just in terms of culture with like Sutton and her Southern roots, you've still got the Erica and the Dorit and the Rinna. I mean, Garcelle is just, she's just so interesting in terms of what she brings. It's so complex, you know? So I don't even know how to characterize the show anymore, but I mean, it seems to be working. It's just, it is. It, I mean, I think what I'm drawn to most in the show now is what I spoke to before of like the way, because now there is this opposing force to the core Fox Force 5, but then what happens in response is this energy that comes in that's like, we're shutting you down. So again, like feeling it towards Garcelle last season. Now we're feeling it towards Crystal. But now like Garcelle is part of it. It's just, it's, it's just so interesting. It's like something vulnerable wants to emerge. And then it's like whack-a-mole. Something comes <laughs> in that's like, we are, no, 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 no. Like, we're not tolerating this. Like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> whack. If they don't understand it, Crystal, Crystal said it perfectly when she was in La Quinta. You guys will shut down something if you don't understand it. So in a way where it's like it feels to them like Kyle is that I keep coming back to Kyle as the ringleader. It's like it threatens her like it threatens her. I can't manage this. Yeah. Kyle is very paranoid because she's been on the show so long and she knows how like the editing will work. So there was. Uh, it was two seasons ago. It's when they went after Denise with the whole Brandy thing. At the start of the season, Kyle was coming off as the villain. 
She oh, was right. like yelling at everyone. And Erica had a problem with her. Dorit had a problem with her. And she started to get panicky and squirrely. And then Denise said something to her and like it, she something switched. And Kyle was like, I'm calling Rinna and we are going <laughs> after Denise. Like, forget it. Like she knows how it can play out on camera. So she gets panicked really easily because she's paranoid. She's a paranoid, anxious person. So like she is always going to shut things down. Like, ah, uh-uh, we're not going to play this because then it's going to, and it's Kyle's fault. She does it to herself, but like, yeah, Kyle is the ringleader of the paranoia and the shutting things down and all of that. But then meanwhile, talking about like, where's your, I mean, again, don't get me wrong. It's not that I love Sutton's reaction, but her saying, where's your empathy meter. And I'm like, well, look at how you're treating crystal right now. Where's your <laughs> empathy meter. I mean, You've shown zero regard for her vulnerability. Yeah. You can't get out of your own way. All, I, that's the thing. It's like Crystal is right. The only thing Kyle cares about is you got to say the thing. Like, oh, you yeah. got to, like, language it right. And it's like, Kyle, someone's struggling over here. Can you, like, get out of your own agenda for one fucking minute to take in someone who's struggling, Miss Empathy Meter? Yeah, like at that lunch that she, she instead of right. saying, look, let me hear what you were trying to say. She was like, just take it back. Yeah, just take this, it back right now. And this is the other thing I want to say. This is kind of why I'm on Crystal's side. I think there's something kind of badass about Crystal just kind of being like, no. And I feel like Crystal is having a really strong boundary. And I feel like several times now, Crystal said, okay, I got it. It's done. I, like, I, I'm giving it up. And it's really Kyle and Garcelle who keep bringing it up. You know? And so for me, I'm kind of like, Crystal's laid down a boundary. It's not her problem if you refuse to acknowledge it. I'm going to disagree on that because what they're trying to do now is save Sutton from the from high from the cameras. They are trying simply to say, just give one moment on camera to say Sutton didn't say the N word. But if they're doing but the problem, it's like if this had just been dropped at Sutton's event we wouldn't be talking about it anymore. It's like they, I, I don't know. I just feel like Kyle hmm. keeps bringing it up. It's like Crystal hmm. saying, okay, I got it. We're done. So let's leave it at Sutton, the store. <laughs> Let me think about that. Would it be done? Would would we be able to, would we as the audience be able to drop it? Think of it that way. Like would people watching, not, not, us aficionados but the rest of the audience you know what i mean because like i have to remind myself of that too would the rest of the audience be able to let it go or would they continuously be commenting on any post sutton does saying what did you say what did you say crystal said you said something dark what did you say because that's what happens I guess I, I guess here's the thing. And again, maybe this is my echo chamber from the beginning. I mean, there was no moment where I really saw the world at large being like, oh, my God, Sutton did something like it seemed pretty immediately as the women were questioning it, which was that very episode. The audience was questioning it. So to me. I kind of feel like if they left it at the store, I mean, maybe we'd be unsatisfied from a storytelling perspective. I didn't see people you know, at, you know, tagging Andy being like, you got to fire Sutton. Oh, you know, I it's did. Like, Maybe because oh, so oh, I oh, got a lot of, okay. I had a lot of like, I bet Sutton said a whole bunch of racist shit. I bet, I bet they're protecting. So, so I got okay. a lot of those comments. So see, I didn't I mean, see that. Yeah. So that makes sense now. So like I was getting a lot of that stuff and then people going back and forth in the comments and, you know, it was 
pretty 50 50, I would say, uh, maybe more 60 40. 40% of the, you know, thinking Sutton said something really racist and I wouldn't doubt it and blah, blah, blah. And then the 60% being like, no, she's overreacting. And so they, where I'm coming from is they're looking at it from like a producer standpoint of right. saying, just give us one little sound bite of you saying it's not as bad as you're making it in your head. But to me, I was really uncomfortable mm-hmm. to say that one time so that the audience can get it and, and latch onto it and, <sighs> and, and drop it. Yeah. It's just so hot. Yeah. I mean, right. So this is the quandary crystals in because she doesn't want to give in. Exactly. You and know? So like and that's, I think that that's why, because both Kyle and Garcelle are really producing together this season. Like they're like, ne- like buddy, buddy and, and like really driving narrative. Yeah. And it's like, again, I just have to go back to the fact, too. I mean, I, I almost, it's like, it's just for me, it's the hypocrisy though of, Garcelle kind of did something, I mean, not similar, but she minimized something, you know, that Crystal brought in related to the race conversation, but now Crystal's getting all this heat. Now, like when I hear you say people really were like, assuming the words of Sutton, like, okay, I get it. That is damaging. Um, And I understand the impulse to want to clear things up. It just feels unfortunate that it feels unfortunate that it's coming in, in a very, um, heated way that's all directed towards crystal with no real acknowledgement or space for what got us there. I mean, again, it's asking a lot of the women, it's asking them to really kind of hold a nuanced big picture view of what's going on. That's not necessarily their strong suit, but I, you know, I, I guess I'll just say this. I empathize with the situation crystals in, I understand why she's there and it's frustrating for me to watch it play out. I, and I and I wish that Garcelle would acknowledge what role she played more because she's acting like Crystal said this out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like and Kyle is too. Kyle's like, why did you bring it up? I'm like, well, she was asked a question mm-hmm. like or not asked a question. She was prompted. Yeah. And that's the thing I keep thinking about, too. It's like in a moment like that was in something that was so vulnerable for her. So it's like I want to say, like, Kyle, how would it be for you if someone was kind of poking you around like your sister or your relationship with your sisters? Like, how would it be for you, Garcelle, if someone I I don't know. It's like this was a vulnerable thing for Crystal. And so I think that's just what feels so kind of (laughs) to use the word dark. It feels dark. And it's like, no one's like when Kyle said that at the, at Sutton's party, she's like, why did you bring it up in La Quinta? Or yeah, I know she said that. And then, or maybe even Garcelle had the nerve to say, why did you bring it up in La Quinta? And then Crystal had to go. (laughs) Cause well, hi, don't you remember what you said? And I was like, Garcelle, I thought you were better than this. Like, this is just, weird it's all but look at the end of the day they've already dropped this like all of this is resolved they're all fine now they're all friends in real time so i don't know maybe we have maybe one more episode of this and then it's over thank god because maybe maybe they do have this conversation maybe this exact conversation we're having they're eventually like you know what garcelle's gonna go i did ask you a stupid maybe maybe this exact conversation occurs and we can be (laughs) like thank god because it just seems out of character for Garcelle because she's pretty good at going. I did do that. That wasn't cool. She's pretty good at owning up to stuff. It's true. This is tough 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I want to say, and she also, I mean, we're seeing it big time this season. She also has a relationship to being a shitster, you know, and she, yeah. she's got a provocative aspect of her. So that's why I just didn't know. That's why I'm curious about what her intention was. I mean, it's helpful for me to have you remind me that she was drinking and there was a context. And again, I don't feel totally comfortable speaking about it because I'm a white guy. This is a conversation about race. Garcelle obviously is a woman of color. It's like, I don't, you know, I don't want to talk too much about it. There's no way to not talk about it if we're talking about this, but it's complicated, right? Yeah. But um, there are many threats here, I guess is just what I'll, is what I'll say. And I'd be curious to know more from Garcelle what was going on for her in that moment. Yeah. That's what I'll say. That's what we'll say. Um, all right. Well, I picked your brain. Okay. <laughs> um, any final thoughts before I before I take us out? I mean, you've said a lot. No. Um, just, you know, excited to see where it wants to go next. Yeah, it's quite a journey. That trailer had so much in it, and we have yet to scratch the surface. So we've got a lot. Oh, Kathy, where Kathy's not even here yet. We're not in Aspen yet. Erica's going to yell at Crystal for defending the victims at one point. Oh yeah, I'm just. Oh god, I'm so ready for more of Erica's. So ready for that. Next week, Garcelle's going to tell Crystal she's bugging her. What was the, there was that moment in the trailer where Erica's like, is it some insane costume? And she says something so dramatic. Um, do you remember what it is? Where, in, the, um, in the trailer for the season? Yeah, something about like, oh, the women don't want secrets um, coming out or something like that. Like, if we're going to talk about Erica's problems, are we going to talk about everyone's? Oh, my God. I'm, oh, God. She's so drunk in that moment, too. I'm like, <laughs> yes, I can't wait. Um, all right, Jamie, this is what I'm living for. Thank you for making the time to be here. Um, oh. Can you please tell everyone where to find you if they don't already know? Well, definitely check out my podcast, Deep Dive with Jamie Stein. And actually, there's a whole episode dedicated to Erica where we went so deep into her. Um, and then follow me on Instagram, Jamie Stein, J-A-M-I-E-S-T-E-I-N, where there's a lot of Bravo-related content. And if you're interested in my work, you can check out my website, hollywoodreadings.com. And I will link everything in the description. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. It was my pleasure. All right, guys. Bye. See you next time. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to support me, please go to buymeacoffee.com slash she speaks bravo and buy me a coffee or two or five. Also, please subscribe to my YouTube channel, She Speaks Bravo with Emily Hanks. And if you haven't already, please rate, review and subscribe to the pod. Thank you guys. I'll see you on Instagram or TikTok at She Speaks Bravo. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.